Welcome. You're listening to the Voice of Vedanta podcast from the Vedanta Society of Southern California. Visit us on the web at vedanta.org. I am the resurrection and the life, saith the Lord. Easter is a season of rebirth, of hope, of new beginnings, of spring, of regrowth. We come out of the darkness of winter, the season of dormancy and anticipation, and darkness. We come to light, to new growth, to hope. All of nature celebrates Easter or spring, and we as humans experience this joyful hope in rejuvenation. We have metaphorically been in hibernation, (laughs) regrouping for growth. (laughs) Now the days grow longer, they grow brighter, the green, new green leaves start to show. Everything sparkles and nature sings with joy. Listen to the birds here. Listen to the coyotes, the crickets, the squirrels, the frogs. They're all singing with joy. The dark night of winter is over. This is our universal emotion at this time of year, spring. All energy is going forward and calling us to join the dance. How do we answer? Do we answer with the invitation with joy and trust or with fear and trepidation? This year, it's very difficult to enter it without a little trepidation. (laughs) We have been asked, we're in the middle of a health crisis, so we have been asked to socially distance, to maintain distances from all of our fellow human beings. This goes against our very nature. We are, by instinct, herd animals who like to gather together. Um, But how should we face this mandate put out by our government? Do we look at it as something to rebel against as many people rebel against all rules put on by outside forces? Or do we look upon it as as an opportunity to make the right choice, to forego our instant gratification for the greater good of the whole, to use our discrimination in making these choices? Can we see the benefits of this pandemic We can all see and we're reminded daily of the negative aspects of it. But can we look deeply inside ourselves and find any positives? Can we see that we are given more time to um, think, (laughs) basically? We are given much more time to sit down, slow down, and think about things. Go into the go forward in the best way possible and stop blaming. So often in these kind of disasters, we look for some the cause of it. Who started it? Does it really matter? No. It doesn't make one iota of difference. Our only thing is to deal with it as we see it each day. And we as Vedantists must always remember 
that we have created our own lives. We create our own karma. Now, if your teeth bite your tongue, who are you mad at? (laughs) This is what karma is. Nothing is done to us. We have taken an active part in creating this situation. This life or last life or whatever, but this did not just happen to us. So one thing we get the opportunity to do is to look deep within and decide how we are going to act, not react. Many of you already know that I collect sayings. I grab them out of anything I read or anything I hear. And one of my favorites that I say to myself in situations situations like this is, experience is not what happens to you. It's what you do with it. So events do not happen to you. You always have the choice of how to act rather than react. I was reading a new book by, it's not a new book, a new book for me by Eknathi Schwarin called Strength in the Storm. Transform stress, live in balance, and find peace of mind. This book of Ishwaran's basically tells what to do with events that happen and maintain that balance and peace of mind. This has been a huge topic for probably the history of mankind, how to reduce anxiety, how not to worry. I mean, I can remember when I was a child, in the 50s, and my grandmother was reading Norman Vincent Peale's How Not to Worry and Start Living. (laughs) All the New Age psychologists and people who are helping us are all trying to tell us how to steady our minds, how to gain peace of mind, how to not live basically in the future or the past, how to live now. Um, sociologists have been trying to tell us, psychologists have been trying to tell us, Patanjali's yoga aphorisms have tried to tell us, the Bhagavad Gita has tried to tell us, what does it take for us to get it through our heads? (laughs) Does it take a pandemic? Because I remember one time saying, if we don't learn by circumstances and give up certain things. God will take them away from you, so you have to learn how to deal with it. Um, According to, if we look back in history, we have survived centuries of disease, war, disasters. We have the capability of doing it. Humankind has survived We have adapted. We have continued. But how do we do that? Who who does it? It's by disciplining our minds, not letting our minds run free and be taken by every single event that happens because we don't find our own self if we're wandering. As one of our nuns said, if you don't know what direction you're going, you're probably not going to get there. (laughs) So how do we discipline our minds? Well, 
the same way you learn any discipline. Mostly we find a teacher or a book that catches our attention. One has to catch our attention. If the book catches your attention first, then find a teacher, because this is what we do with all subjects. We don't try and reinvent the wheel every time we go out the door. Um, then we, once we have a teacher, he, the teacher can help you in finding your own path. A good teacher will not impose their path upon you. They will help you develop your spirituality from the place that you are in helping you make choices, in helping you change habits. They will just help you. We call them a guru here. And they will usually give you a mantra to say. But they will also watch you and your progress. And if you start to veer off, they will kind of gently, or sometimes not so gently, show you where you're veering off. <laughs> now, in the words of St. Paul, we call these things austerities, trying to follow these rules and do all of this. In the words of St. Paul, the spiritual life requires renewing the mind. And this is achieved by a gradual, entire readjustment of the outlook and habits. For impurities of the mind are nothing else but the habits of life and thought. And to overcome one set of habits, one must form another and contrary set of habits. This process consists in the practice of, and then I'm going to paraphrase, the accessory disciplines of yoga, study, and dedication of the fruits of your works to God. In other words, lessening your own ego. Now, according to Ishwaran in his book, um, Strength in the Storm, we'll start. As he says, his first statement is, we cannot control life but we can control how we respond to life's challenges. And the only way is stability of mind. We already have the capacity to deal with these challenges, but we need a calm mind in order to draw up the resources from within. As Swami Prabhupada said, now, what is the way? Just as you have physical exercises and intellectual training, even so the training of the spirit, only through the exercise of the spirit. What's meant by exercising the spirit? To discipline the mind. Undisciplined thinking and habits and behavior lead us nowhere. You have to discipline the mind completely. And this is probably one of the most difficult things we have in our entire life to do because we have been 
Everything in the external world is grabbing your attention. Your senses are going out. Oh, it's a beautiful day. Oh, look, someone... I just heard a dog bark. Um, Every single sense wants to go outwards. But to stabilize the mind, you have to go within. The, 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 the third step in Ishwaran's stability of the mind is he, he is a great um, advocate of the mantra. As you know, he wrote the mantra handbook. His lineage is from matriarchal society, and his grandmother gave him a mantra. He feels that you can choose your own mantra. I... It's probably possible. I feel more stable having a teacher with a pra- with a tried and true mantra who knows me and can tell me where I'm going. <laughs> but Ishwaran's third step is the mantra is a key tool for steadying the mind. It's not just mechanical repetition. You learn to trust it as you use it. You can catch your mind. If you start watching your mind in your daily activities, you can see when it starts to go off. Maybe not at first, but after years of practice, you will see when it, when old samskaras, old habits, old emotions start taking your mind someplace that you don't want it to go. That's not where you want to be. And if you can catch it, it gets more catchable the longer you practice. If you can catch it and substitute, start saying your mantra immediately. Just catch it. Why am I listening to that dog that's barking? Why is it taking all of my attention? Because I have let it. That's the simple answer. If I catch my mind and say, this is what I'm doing now, Start repeating your mantra if your mind is wandering really wildly. Repeat it out loud if you're alone. You know, shout out the thoughts. (laughs) If you're with other people, say it to yourself. (laughs) And if you're driving, say it out loud, but keep your eyes on the road. (laughs) Um, Keep repeating it until it ceases to be the tool to drown out extraneous activity and becomes the one thought in your mind. But continue it with no matter what's going on. If someone, well, I told, if someone walks in and all of a sudden your attention goes straight to them, no, you're not concentrating on your task. That is the other thing that you have to learn to do, is concentrate on one task at a time. There is no such thing as multitasking. It is simply serial distraction. (laughs) Um, Jumping from one thought to the next. If you can concentrate on exactly what you're doing, you'd be amazed how fast it gets done. Most of our time is wasted by inattention. Most of the accidents that happen are inattention. Um, 
I fell down the other day, and it was simply because I wasn't paying attention. I was walking, and I had a step, and I didn't get my foot up high enough. <laughs> but it's inattention. It's my own fault. If you do this, letting your mind become distracted makes for a very uncalm and unsteady mind. If you're listening to someone reading, listen. Listen with everything they have to say. This is a hard one for me because I jump ahead. Um, but it's a long-time practice that I am working on, listening completely. If you can give that concentration and attention, the burdens of your past and your future, anxieties, worries, resentment, guilt, they will disappear because they're not there in that moment. I mean, all these things about live in the present, how many of us actually do that without thinking about something else? Most of us sit here and we're here for a while (laughs) and then we take a vacation and then we come back and then we take a little vacation and come back but that's not a steady mind that's not how you can be calm and not have anxiety the fourth of Ishwaran's bricks in this how to build a steady mind is you don't need to analyze the cause of what's happening Just learn to steady your mind, and you will be able to deal with any crisis. Find that much more difficult right now, because every time you turn around, there's a new statistic about our pandemic. Some are good, some are really bad, and our minds naturally go to the whole and the greater society. However, what we honestly have to deal with is here and now. Stay home, wear your mask when you go out, keep your social distance. If you have a job that's in the um, arena uh, where people have to be out working, then yes, take every precaution. Know what's happening. It's not to say ignore it. Know your facts, keep your mind steady, and how will you deal with it? If we find ourselves getting worked up by the constant repetition of the news and the statistics, and I have noticed that they're starting to show the same pictures over and over again in the newsreels, so I'm not sure how much is new news. I do keep track of the statistics every day. Think about things that we can do instead of feed the negativity of the situation. How can we think of positive things to do? There are so many groups that are doing positive things in the face of this. I do appreciate when they start, when the news programs start showing you the good news and the people who help and the people, the things that people have thought of. So many people, all of a sudden, when they found out there were no masks for the health care givers, they started making masks. Now, that 
freed up the ones that the healthcare people needed. Yes, we all, they're in short supply. But thinking, those are things that can, can connect us rather than give us a negative, selfish thought of, oh, I've got to just take care of myself. I can't take care of anyone else. Oh, God, I might get sick. I might die. Um, yeah, we will all die <laughs> of one thing or another, but it's not to be worried about. If we live each day of our life as though it were the last day, what do we have to regret? We can't live anyone else's life for them. We can have extreme sympathy. We can pray for them. We can send out as many positive thoughts and take care of yourself. <laughs> we must do that. S set up a routine so that your life is not chaos. There is chaos out there at this point, but we don't have to, every single person in the United States of the world has to live in that chaos. Have a routine. You have a new chance now to, we have more time in your home, whether you like it or not. <laughs> um, many cupboards are getting cleaned that haven't been looked in, but... Work out a routine. People have been asking us, How's, how are you doing up there? How's life going? And, and we all kind of say, well, it's actually very normal. We just don't have as many visitors. But we really do have a very, our routine is set. Because as a convent and as our job is praying, um, our whole day and life revolves around the temple, the shrine, and the Lord. He's not taken a vacation. He's not gone to the hospital. He's right here for us to take care of, and they're both waiting for us. <laughs> so worship will go on every day in both the shrine and the temple. Vespers goes on every day in both the shrine and the temple. Meditation goes on every day, no matter what. Cooking for the Lord goes on every day, no matter what. Taking care of the property because it's not ours. It is the Lord's. Goes on as usual. We have a little more time to take care of some of our outside activities. We have a little more time to uh, contact people, not in person. <laughs> via phone or Zoom. As many of you know, much of the Vedanta activities, especially in Hollywood, are being live-streamed, everything in the temple. Our activities in the temple are not live-streamed because we have no Wi-Fi. <laughs> uh, but everyone should make an effort to keep their minds higher rather than lower. Read inspiring things. Find beautiful things. Find things that remind you of God and the best in life. As Ramakrishna said, wherever you see excellence, there is a greater manifestation of God. So look for those inspiring things. 
even if it's a book to read, an inspiring one, not a depressing one. If it's a movie you want to watch, hunt for something inspiring, something that will lift your mind, make you feel like, yes, we are divine, we are all-powerful. We can conquer this. There's many of them. Um, Catching up with friends that you haven't heard from in years. We just had one of our nuns, one of her close friends from 40 years ago called her today, and they haven't spoken, they haven't contacted each other in five years. But this is when your heart goes out to, oh, how are they? Many people are doing, this is good, this is positive. It creates brotherhood and camaraderie. Um, Make sure you get out and get your exercise. Now, if it can't be outside, every single yoga studio that I know is having live stream. You can exercise with the fitness programs. All of them are having live stream and exercise programs. But make it a part of your daily life. We're very fortunate here because we can take a walk up the road. And it's much easier now than it was before because no one's coming to work. (laughs) So we don't have to dodge cars every minute. Um, Walk your dog, play with your cat, take your kids, start inventive new things to do with your children, like planting a garden if you have a yard. Think of different things to do that are, yes, slowed down and not on your devices all the time. I'm not saying not to be on your devices because Zoom is doing a wonderful thing of connecting people all over. Um, It's also keeping homeschooling going, everything. But the opportunities for creativity and change are unlimited at this point. I know many people who, seems like a lot of people have taken up baking. (laughs) Baking and sewing, we're going back to, (laughs) we haven't started canning yet, but I'm sure it's going to come. (laughs) Um, But we can change this negativity into a positive thing. We don't need to stay there. There are so many things that we can do, and our creativity is often... um, We have been, in some ways, limiting it to the screen rather than to the tactile world where we live today. I mean, we can build things. You can get out and build things with your kids. You can make things. Um, instead of just design things <laughs> online. It's kind of fun, like, why do children like Legos? Because they can see it built. It's not just a picture in front of them. Uh, all of these things are avenues for regrowth and for change. Now, change is inevitable. It's the only thing that doesn't stop. The world is never static, so we have to make ourselves 
in order to have a steady mind, we have to be comfortable with change. I read in, um, God, who knows what book, that the only people who are afraid of change are very, very fearful people. They're the only ones who fight change because they are afraid. But what are they afraid of? When it comes down to it, it is a lack of faith, a lack of faith in God, in themselves, and in the goodness of the entire in goodness of Brahman. I mean, things are everything we if we are the Atman, and we are part of Brahman, we are Brahman, one and the same thing. What is there to be afraid of? There is nothing to be afraid of. Our bodies get afraid because they think they're forever, but they're not us. But we have nothing to fear. When The title of the lecture was I Am the Resurrection. This came from the Gospel of St. John, and I had to look it up to find out where it was because I knew it, but I had no idea what it was in connection with. Many of you probably know much better than I do. But the whole saying is, I am the resurrection. If anyone believes in me, even though he dies, he will live. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Now, who did Jesus say this to? He said it to Martha when he went to visit Mary and Martha and Lazarus. And Lazarus had just died. Martha came running out. Master, Master, our our brother is dead. If you'd been here, he wouldn't have died. And she's crying and crying and crying. And he says... I am the resurrection. And then he asks, do you believe this to Martha? And she answered, yes, I believe you are the Christ. I believe you are the Son of God. I believe you are, not eternal life, but basically yes, And with that, he went into Lazarus and told him to wake up. But it takes that complete faith, that absolutely unswerving faith in Brahman, God, Jesus, Buddha, whatever. Um, It's the same thing that Krishna said, give me your whole heart, love and adore me and I will save you, who love you dearly. Now, yeah, in the Vedantic perspective, what does this resurrection mean? I am the resurrection. It means that with real faith and trust in the divine It circumvents suffering and death. Because 
A coward dies every minute. A brave man dies but once. If we live in fear, we are dying every single moment of our life. If we live in strength, then we have nothing to be afraid of. If we have faith in the fact that we are the Atman, that we do believe in God, this will give you a steady mind. (laughs) And repetition of the mantra and meditation are what give you that faith. And this is, Ishmoran then goes on to explain, this is the most important lesson to learn from crisis. To find your center of strength within. This is why we sit down and meditate each day. This is why we say our mantras. Why you hope to get your mantra constantly going through your mind. Where you go to sleep with it, wake up with it. It doesn't stop. And that only happens through constant, constant practice. If you let your mind be wander off, bring it back. All of our minds wander off. Bring it back, bring it back, bring it back. It's only practice. And as we'll end with a Christian quote, as St. Teresa of Avila said, let nothing upset you. Let nothing frighten you. Everything is changing. God alone is changeless. Patience attains the goal. He who has God lacks nothing. God alone fills every need. And I hope you all have a wonderful Easter. (laughs) Thank you. You've been listening to the Voice of Vedanta podcast from the Vedanta Society of Southern California. Thanks for listening.